Aloha. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Welcome to 2019. Now, if you're like most of us over the holidays, you might have had some interesting events where you went to parties or tried grandma's new concoction of some type of food or another. And sometimes those things taste delicious, but other times our stomach and our intestinal tract tells us, oh, that combination didn't go so well. So what's the difference between having a food allergy or just being sensitive to certain foods or having a food intolerance? Well, today we are going to learn all about the difference, why it's important, and what you can do about it. We have our repeat guest, Dr. Justin Grood, on the show today, and he's going to tell us a little more about how do you know if the foods that you're eating and trying actually will agree with you? And are there certain common ingredients that might make you want to watch out the next time you happen to have an opportunity to try that food in the future? So thank you for joining me today on The Body Show. Thanks, Kathy. It's always great to be back. Now, lots of people come in and tell me things like, hey, I've got, I've got an intolerance to a certain type of food, or I've got a problem with dairy or lactose. What is the true definition of a food allergy? Right. So when you're talking about something like lactose intolerance, that's a food intolerance. And a lot of people don't realize that you can actually be intolerant really to any type of food. Um, And those are different from food allergies and food sensitivities, which I'll explain. But in terms of food intolerances, um, what that really describes is your body's lack of um, the ability to produce enzymes or sp- specific enzymes to break down those foods. Like in the, in the case of lacta- uh, lactose, there's an enzyme called lactase. And you have probably seen milk that ha- that's like lactate, that has lactase in it. You can take lactase pills. And that can actually really make a huge difference in your quality of life and your ability to eat foods that you love. And there are, are other enzyme uh, supplements that you can actually take that are much more broad spectrum that would allow you to digest all different types of carbohydrates and fibers that are typically um, likely – they're the most likely causes of gastrointestinal disturbance, um, which can present really as, you know, distension and bloating, gas, uh, loose stools, constipation even, or some type of alternation of those symptoms. And um, that's one reason why so many people actually – go on certain diets like grain-free diets, for example, or do paleo. Um, or a lot of people say, I'm going to go gluten-free. And they say, right. because I have gluten intolerance or gluten sensitivity. In some cases, it can be as far-ranging as celiac disease, which is an actual very specific type of a diagnosis, which is usually made actually on intestinal biopsy in some cases, mm-hmm. so that you actually identify that the lining of the intestines changes when exposed to a certain type of food material. But a lot of people, it's not that they have celiac disease. They just don't do well when they eat gluten. So they feel a lot of the symptoms you described, the bloating, the distension, the gas, the, you know, the, the, the abdomen is not filled with the same type of nerves that might be on the outside of your skin. You could touch your hand and know exactly where you touched it. But in the intestines, things aren't wired exactly the same. So lots of people will have very common symptoms of bloating and distress and maybe hearing some extra noises or going to the bathroom more than usual or going less. And those common symptoms might have an entirely different etiology. So when we think about 
a true food allergy. I would put celiac as a food allergy. You're actually developing antigens to this celiac that you're, or to this gluten protein like material that you're eating. So you can actually do a test and detect antigens and, and you can actually, actually detect antibodies to those antigens. So that might be a true food allergy. What might be another example of a true food allergy? And then we're going to talk a little bit about intolerance and sensitivity. So another food allergy, what might be another example well, of that? Just for clarification, the, the whole wheat and gluten um, topic, you know, it's something that's, um, that is being discussed all over the place right now. And it's really popular. A lot of people are going gluten-free. And, you know, celiac disease is actually pretty rare, but that's, act- that's actually an autoimmune disease. And that's a, that's a situation where when you eat uh, wheat or gluten, your immune system actually starts to um, be triggered to attack your own intestinal tissue. And it actually is a, it's a systemic autoimmune disease, and it has um, some pretty serious consequences. Um, and yes, you're right. People, many people um, don't tolerate eating um, wheat and gluten for other reasons, not because of the autoimmune celiac disease. And the other reasons could be something like uh, a food sensitivity or a food allergy. And let's talk about what food allergies are. A food allergy is, is actually something very specific. It's a situation in which your immune system is making a certain type of antibody that causes uh, a histamine reaction in your body. So we call these, an antibody uh, in, in the medical field, we call this an uh, immunoglobulin. And, and, and you'll often see this as a big I followed by a little g for immunoglobulin. And then it's after that, it'll be followed by another character, which in this case will be E. So IgE antibodies that your immune system produces through something called humoral immunity. Uh, This is B-cell mediated immunity. It produces IgE antibodies in response to being exposed to certain things. Now, um, this commonly um, is recognized as something like hay fever, um, which I have, a lot of people have, it's incredibly common, where you're exposed to something like dust or pollen, um, you, your body makes a, a histamine reaction in your respiratory system, in your eyes. You might get itchy red burning eyes. You might get uh, itching in your nose, the roof of your, the palate of your mouth, um, scratchy throat. You might even develop um, asthmatic symptoms, which is very common. A lot of people don't realize that most asthma is actually allergic in its origin, um, and um, and so it can be controlled environmentally, and it makes sense why um, steroids actually are the inhaled steroids are the uh, treatment um, that's the most effective for asthma. But um, but you can get that same reaction in your in your intestine from eating foods that are causing the same type of histamine response. And the same, if you can imagine, the thing that's ma- that reaction that's making your eyes red and itchy and swollen and your nose itchy and all these other, and, and even your respiratory system, and, you know, causing asthma, you can get the same thing on your skin, which would be called eczema. They actually call that asthma of the skin. And you can get the same thing in your gut. And that can present just like any other type of reaction. And that's what makes this so tricky is because most people don't realize that, um, you know, they might have a food intolerance. That, and and um, But many people actually have allergies that they don't realize um, are histamine mediated. So how might they find something like that out? I mean, I know trial and error. So if you eat a certain food and it always makes you feel bad, you'll have a tendency not to eat that again. But are there ways that you can test to determine if you're actually having this IgE mediated immune response to eating certain eating certain types of foods? Yes, there are. It's it's actually somewhat tricky. And the reason why it's tricky is because all of these types of food reactions kind of overlap in the gut 
they, the symptoms are very, very similar, and you can't really tell them apart without doing specific testing. Um, and so people don't even necessarily think to do testing like that. If you go to uh, an allergist, for example, um, they're generally, if they're going to do skin testing, they'll test for the ki- types of foods that are going to cause anaphylactic reactions, like serious allergies. And everybody knows somebody or... Like the peanut allergy exactly. or people who have that swelling reaction to shellfish or something that's like right. that. That's right. And that's a life-threatening reaction, what we call an anaphylactic reaction, where you can go into anaphylactic shock, you get swelling of your airways and you can't breathe. And that's what... Uh, and, but but people get these reactions that are anaphylactoid, where you can get hives and swelling of you know lips or tongue or something like that. It doesn't necessarily have to, sh- to shut the airway down, but it's, it's a terrifying situation when it does. And, and um, the only treatment for it um, outside of being intubated in the hospital is, uh, is taking epinephrine. And so people carry EpiPens, um, which can save lives. But that's a, um, that's a really extreme reaction. And so if you don't have that type of reaction, an allergist isn't going to think um, to necessarily test you for food allergies um, for common allergic symptoms. And it's, you can't be eating food and get um, you know asthma as a reaction or eczema as a reaction um, it doesn't have to be affecting your gut. It's, 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 so it's fairly complex. And yes, the, you can test this. There's a number of ways you can test this. Um, the, mo- the, the traditional way would be a blood test doing a, what's called a, a panel of IgE antibodies to foods. Um, mainstream uh, laboratories have panels like this. Most doctors don't know about it because it's not really on their radar. But if you talk to them about it and ask them about it, they can um, either make a phone call or they can ask their assistant to make a phone call. They can find out which panels um, um, ca- uh, exist and how many foods they'll cover. Um, often it will be something like 20 foods, although if you're going to go through the hassle of doing a blood test, try to get as many foods as you possibly can. You can get up to 100, 200 foods, things like that, even more. And there are other tests that are a little bit more um, alternative that are, you know, there, there's even a hair analysis test that will look for things like this, although it's not um, necessarily an IgE test. It looks for, um, these are more uh, T-cell mediated types of um, immune reactions. And they are FDA approved, but they're, but they're not considered mainstream medicine and they're not really ad- endorsed by allergists. All right, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and you're listening to The Body Show. I'm here with Dr. Justin Grude, and we're talking today about the difference between food allergies, food intolerance, food sensitivity, and what might be some ways that you can identify if your allergy reaction that you're having that you might be familiar with, with your sinuses or your eyes, could actually be happening in your gut. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about how to know the difference based on the symptoms and how to know if you need to do further testing because maybe something you're eating is making you not feel well. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Shamanad University, Inter-Island Solar Supply, and Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Justin Grude. And today we're talking about those types of foods that maybe you eat them and you don't feel so good afterwards. What kind of bloating is concerning and what kind of gastrointestinal symptoms should be something you should be worried about? So right before the break, we were talking a little bit about the immune system mediated allergic response. And I find it very interesting because you're right. A lot of people have hay fever. They might have that classic, if I'm around, you know, my cat or if I'm around 
dust or something else, they know that visible way that they feel and they have the itchy, watery eyes and, you know, the runny nose. And we don't think that more than half of our immune system is in our gut. And in fact, it kind of has to be that way because the one thing that we keep putting in our body that's foreign is food. So our body has developed this adaptation to have a lot of the immune system in the gut to respond to some of the different things that we eat. We hopefully absorb the nutrients, but there's other things about these types of substances that might elicit a response in the body. So we talked about when you might need to consider doing allergy testing. So if somebody is presenting with a lot of GI symptoms and maybe they don't have any evidence of true autoimmune celiac disease and they do have some things that they eat but they can't be more particular about any common theme with that, they might be someone who could talk to their provider and consider doing some of the allergy testing. If their testing doesn't show any particular allergy to egg or to milk or to wheat or to something else, that doesn't mean they can go eat all those foods if it doesn't make them feel well. What would we call a situation where they may not have the true allergy response, but they know every time they eat a certain food, their stomach just revolts? What might that be a sign of? Right. So <clears throat> that could either be a food intolerance, like we talked about before, where your body's lacking the ability to actually break down the food. That or it could be a food sensitivity. Let's talk a little bit more about food intolerance first because food sensitivity is pretty complex. Food intolerance is a situation where um, either your pancreas is not producing enough enzymes to break down the complex carbohydrates and fibers that, um, that we're eating in our diet, or potentially you don't have enough bile. To, break, to, to emulsify and break down the fats, which oftentimes will present with very similar symptoms and loose stools. And interestingly, a lot of, uh, you know, I've seen this a lot and people don't talk about it very much, but um, having low stomach acid is actually um, not such an uncommon scenario where people are either not producing enough stomach acid to break down proteins, calcium, iron, magnesium, zinc, B12, all, all these nutrients um, require stomach acid to, to, in order for them to be absorbed in the body. But a lot of people are taking medications that are lowering their stomach acid, and they're going to be producing, um, well, they're going to be causing malabsorption as, as a result. And when you change the pH of your gut by, by lowering the stomach acid, you also, you also um, foster an environment that would be um, less conducive to healthy flora and more conducive to unhealthy flora. And now when you have that um, situation in your intestine, and there are other situations that can also impact your, the health of your flora, like other medications. Antibiotics. Antibiotics is a Notorious. huge, huge um, uh, but but really, actually, is we're getting more and more data and research about other types of medications that you wouldn't expect to interact with flora. Right now, there's all this uh, literature about metformin, right, in, in, in diabetic care. So there's certain types of flora that metabolize metfor metformin in a certain way that uh, actually make it more advantageous for, for blood sugar control. And some people who don't have the right kind of flora don't respond as well. So it's really interesting. We're, we're learning so much more every day about how important gut flora is. and have it, So we can impact our gut flora in positive ways and disadvantageous ways depending on um, a multitude of factors. We talked about medications, and but there are also, also the way that we eat, our sure. diet itself. Everything you put in your mouth Absolutely. has an effect on you what know. particular bacteria may grow because you have that certain food in your body and what bacteria may not be getting the type of 
prebiotics that they That's need right. to help them to flourish. So you're right. There's this whole new, and it's it's interesting. I don't know if we can call it new. It's a genre looking at the gut microbiome. And it's not really new because we've had intestines since the dawn of civilization. But we're now starting to respect a little bit more about why that has such an impact on what we eat. So a food intolerance, you mentioned, you might not have the particular enzymes or the digestive ability to break down that food. So it may not be an allergy. It's not mediated by your immune system, but it may just be that you're missing something that you would otherwise need. We talked a little bit about lactose in the top of the show, and you mentioned that it's a lactose intolerance. So that food intolerance is you're missing something to help break down that food product. Thus, if you eat too much of it, you may have physical symptoms and it could affect your gut flora. Now, food sensitivity Right. It sounds so much like food intolerance. How is that different? Right. So this is where it becomes um, much more interesting and 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 um, and actually fascinating. So, like you said before, um, uh, most of the body's immune system is actually located around the gut. It's speculated that seventy to eighty percent, pound for pound, of your immune system is actually located there, and there's a good reason for it. And that's because the inside of your gut is actually a hollow tube that's not actually your body. It's a tube that runs through your body. And the, the, um, the gut itself, um, the tissue of the gut is your body, but it's actually its job is to absorb nutrients that we need for life while not letting things pass through into our body that can harm us. And that's why the immune system has to be there all the time, you know, um, full brigades and battalions there. Every time we eat, there's a full-on battle, right? And it's, um, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It, it, it's, it, it enables us... To, um, to survive. And actually, some speculate that our diet is too clean now because we evolved not with the type of hygiene that we have today. And so our immune system is actually overreacting in many other capacities because it doesn't, it's not kept busy enough. And so there's a whole movement of you know, eating more dirt. I don't know if you've heard about this, but it's something that's actually a valid, uh, you know, if you're buying, let's say, organic carrots, wash them, but don't necessarily peel them. You know, get a little bit of that organic dirt that doesn't, that's not pesticide laden. Um, Oh, that's another thing, by the way. Pesticides, uh, you know, another reason to eat organic. Pesticides and herbicides can impact your gut flora in really significant ways. There's a lot of research about Roundup, for example, um, inhibiting the growth of healthy gut flora. And that can actually really potentiate significant uh, intolerances and um, and potentially uh, more serious problems. Um, and I'm not going to talk about wheat and gluten because wheat and gluten um, is is actually a very complex topic in terms of, of the um, the autoimmune potential that is not even necessarily related to, to celiac. And uh, Dr. Fasano of Mass General Hospital, he was the director of the celiac clinic there. And he's a Harvard professor. And I had the uh, pleasure of seeing him speak a few years ago. And uh, he talked about his research where he discovered a molecule called zonulin. And without going into more detail about that, he, uh, he actually says that North American wheat is, uh, is problematic because it has more gluten molecules that are pro, um, I don't want to say pro-inflammatory, but they create leakiness in your gut. And so this is a segue into food sensitivities. What are food sensitivities? So food sensitivities um, are a um, type of reaction to food that, um, that are not necessarily isolated to the gut. We talked about food allergies can also cause things like eczema and asthma. So they're not isolated to the gut. But food sensitivities are much more kind of amorphous. It can present in so many different ways. And so people don't necessarily realize that they have food sensitivities um, even when they might actually have a food triggering something like a migraine headache or a food triggering some type of a skin eruption like rosacea. 
um, or even psoriasis or some type of chronic sinus or yeast infection or chronic um, low susceptibility or, or I should say um, lower immunity or an increased susceptibility to viral infections and all these kinds of things um, can be related to food that we eat. Well, we're going to talk some more about what these food sensitivities might present us, and we're going to talk a little bit about how do you deal with them and how do you treat them. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Justin Grude, and we'll be right back after this quick break to continue our discussion on food allergies, sensitivities, and intolerance. Be right back. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to contributors Bush Consulting and Sacred Hearts Academy. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here with my colleague, Dr. Justin Grude, and we're talking today about what happens when you eat food and why would your immune system be involved in your gut and how that really can have an impact, not just on the gut bacteria that are in your body, but also on how you feel every single day. We all know that when your gut and your intestines aren't working well, when you're bloated or when you're constipated or when you're having loose bowels, nobody feels good. And there is a connection between what we eat and some of those types of symptoms. So right before the break, we were talking about food sensitivities, and you mentioned that there's a variety of different things that can elicit this sensitive response, including not just our body's reaction, but it's the food particularly in our neighborhood and what we're eating. So how would someone know if they had a food sensitivity? You mentioned that some of the other immune system response, like allergies, like eczema, rosacea, some of these other things could be in response to certain types of foods. How would someone know if they had a food sensitivity and what could they do about it? Right. So a lot of people who generally have some um, symptom or complaint or um, it could be brain fog or fatigue. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be something even like very specific. Remotely from the gut. It could be something else. It could be arthritis, you know, that could be related or triggered in some way by, by the food that we're eating. But people don't necessarily think about food um, in the in the sense of food sensitivities, they don't really necessarily uh, associate it with 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 their diet and with food because food sensitivities are not something that you get in an in instant response, and it may not even be a response that you feel in your intestine. We talked about you know gas and bloating and distension and all these things, but you don't necessarily with food sensitivities get that. And the reason why is because what a food sensitivity is. We measure food sensitivities by by also immunoglobulins. We talked about these antibodies, the subtype G. So IgG is the way that we would measure a food sensitivity. Now, this is a little bit of alternative medicine. It's not really like a, um, a fully embraced concept of, of, of diagnosis of a condition. And food sensitivities are not really even a generally um, acknowledged uh, diagnosis. What it is is it's a functional medicine principle of trying to help people who aren't getting any answers elsewhere to help them identify what might be actually underlying their symptoms. So we look at IgG antibodies, and it's not a perfect test because really what it is is an antibody that you would make. Let's say you got a flu shot, and now you have antibodies against flu. It's supposed to protect you against flu, um, or you get exposed to a virus. You get sick. Now you have antibodies, so you shouldn't get you know sick from that virus again. We would measure that as IgG antibody protection. It gives you chronic long-term protection. If you have those antibodies to food, we have to ask ourselves, what does that mean? Are you injecting food with a needle? No, you're eating it. And as we discussed before, your intestinal tract is not actually your body. It's a tube that runs through your body. And it's, the, it's a huge interface between the outside world, 
which is the environment, and your body, which, of course, is why the immune system has to be there in such force. Um, in order for you to have antibodies to food without injecting it, it has to be leaked through before it's been fully digested. So normally food is, is fully broken down into the raw, you know, raw materials to, that we need to absorb and then you know, use them as building blocks for the things that we need for our body. If those foods, before they are fully broken down, are absorbed into the body, the body doesn't know what they are. The body will um, respond to them as, a, as some type of a foreign object, and it will produce an immune response. And this immune response is multifactorial. One way that we can evaluate this immune response is by looking at IgG antibodies. Of course, this is a type of inflammation, and everything that we're talking about here is inflammation. A histamine allergy response is a type of inflammation. And a food sensitivity response is a type of inflammation. Inflammation is sort of the mother of all disease, right? It's, it's, a, it's oxidative stress, and, um, and um, it is the sort of precursor for most chronic conditions and acute conditions. If you have IgG antibodies to food, the, the presumption is you have leakiness for, in your gut. Leakiness is usually uh, caused by inflammation, because what happens with inflammation is you get um, the sequestering of immune cells into a tissue, which causes edema of the tissue and swelling of the tissue. And the, the, the process of swelling will um, make the tissue more leaky. Kind of like if you sprain your ankle and it's swelled up. That's right. And that can happen anywhere in the body. We talked about with allergies that happening uh, like with hay fever. Um, that swelling, redness, edema um, is allowing immune cells to leak in and to kind of perfuse the tissue so they can do whatever their job is in terms of the immune system. The same thing can happen in the gut. And you can have the swelling, edema, and then you can – it allows for, um, for leak, leakiness in the direction of the immune system penetrating that tissue, which is what, what it's trying to do. But the leakiness is bidirectional. Now you can have leakiness in the other direction too. So we have to ask ourselves if, the, if there's swelling in the intestine – and food is leaking through, is, is the food causing that reaction? Or is the reaction already there and food is an innocent bystander? And that's the thing that the test can't tell you. So food sensitivity is not necessarily the fault of the food. It might be an, another underlying condition that's causing your intestine to leak and the food is causing an immune system reaction as a secondary reaction. But Regardless of what the cause is, eliminating that food from your diet will reduce the inflammation. You will feel better. And then it will, the next step, if you're working with a good practitioner, the next step is to identify what's actually going on. Is it the food itself causing the reaction? Or do you have something else um, at play in the intestine? And how would you be able to figure that out? Um, it's an excellent question. It's not, it's, not a str it's not straightforward. I would say, you know, what... What I would do in that scenario, and I, and, and I always say work with a really um, highly skilled practitioner for this, functional medicine. There are a lot of MDs, a lot of naturopaths do functional medicine. I've even seen chiropractors who do a good job of functional medicine. Really, it's a matter of how much uh, um, time you put in postdoctoral work into learning functional medicine. It's not about the, the, the letters after your name. But what I would say is that um, in that scenario, you're going to want to do comprehensive stool analyses. There are tests that will look at what – What's happening with your flora? Could there be a parasite, which are way more common than people realize, causing low-grade chronic inflammation? Could there be uh, yeast overgrowth or some type of imbalance with your flora causing inflammation? Um, 
there, uh, it, it, you know, the inflammation could be caused, like I said, directly from the food. It could be caused by um, other pro-inflammatory types of um, foods that you're eating, that you're having some type of idiosyncratic reaction to. And it can be uh, medications. It can be herbs that you're taking. It can be related to um, stress. So there are a lot of different things that can truly affect what's going on in your body. And in fact, it just brings me back to this old statement that, you know, you hear again and again, and it sort of echoes in your head and you finally realize what it truly means. And it's getting back to that old phrase that says you are what you eat and how that really does impact not just how you feel, but how your body interacts with other things that are going on, whether it be inflammation in your gut or that's causing other physical symptoms related to allergies or respiratory symptoms or, you know, you're right. Inflammation really is the word that we're trying to learn some more about. And I certainly appreciate you coming in to tell us a little bit more about your expertise with food allergies and sensitivities and intolerance. We're going to have to do it again because I feel like we are just scratching the surface a little bit to what's really going on when we digest and eat certain foods. So we're going to have you back. I want to thank you, Dr. Justin Grude, for coming on the show today. If you'd like to hear this show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll see you next week. Welcome to 2019.